Hello, and welcome to Soothing Pods Sleep Stories. My name is Chris, and tonight I will be your guide as we journey to the countryside of England to discover the secret garden and explore the retelling of this children's book classic by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Before we begin, however, let us take a moment to relax and find comfort in the space that we are in, here and now. Lie down in your bed and close your eyes. Allow yourself to find a comfortable position. Explore the cool, refreshing touch of the sheets against your skin and the weight of the blanket on top of you. This is a place for comfort, for rest. Sometimes we understand rest to mean sleep, but by simply lying here right now and listening to the sound of my voice with your eyes closed, you are resting. Your body is becoming more and more rejuvenated by the second as you sink further into this story with me, and your everyday life sinks further and further into the distance of this moment. You have no obligations. There is no to-do list. There is nothing expected of you. Here and now, you are free to find that comfortable position and embrace that this is a time to do nothing. Here, you can turn your attention to your breath. A simple sensation that we feel all day long. But here, that sensation carries power and promise. Pay attention to how your lungs feel as you take that deep breath in. Feel your chest expand and a lightness fill you as that sweet night air nourishes you. Feel the warmth and comfort that it sends sleepily spiraling through your body. And when you exhale, feel how all your muscles relax and unfurl, melting away the pressure or expectations of the day. Feel them as they grow heavier with that relaxation and sink deeper and deeper and deeper into the mattress beneath you. You are safe here, and as we set out on this journey to the English countryside together, know that you can return to this breathing any time your mind strays, or any time you feel like you need to turn your attention to the here and now. Your breath is always with you, and it has the ability to bring you comfort whenever, if ever, you are in need. Now that we have taken the time to relax and find comfort in the space that we are in here and now, 
let us begin our story. Mary Lennox leaned against the railing of the boat as the morning sun rose up over the English Channel. The egg yolk sun seemed to move ever slowly across the sky, almost as slowly as she felt her journey to England had taken her. She took a deep breath of the salty sea air. Once, the briny smell of the ocean waves had made her think of adventure and promise and excitement. But now, they made her think of no such thing. She closed her eyes and let the ocean spray mist across her face as they grew closer and closer to the harbor. She knew that today would be a day of many firsts. For starters, Mary had never been to England, and truly, she had never dreamt that she would be going to England under her current circumstances. She was born at the turn of the 20th century, in what was then a colony of British India, to wealthy aristocratic parents. She had a childhood full of things most girls could only dream of. All the toys she wanted, all the books, all the pets, all the foods. And yet, she was missing something that most people did have. She was missing love and affection. Her wealthy parents never showed much interest in her, so she spent most of her days wandering the wealthy family property by herself, hoping to find something to occupy her mind and make herself feel whole. And, generally, people rarely made Mary feel better. It was in nature in adventuring across the landscape, that Mary felt like she was her best self. She would awaken as soon as the sun rose and journey into the forests near her house. She would scamper up trees as high as she could go, breathing in the fragrant scents of the tropical forest. For most of the afternoon, she would lie in trees, eating mangoes and other fruits she discovered hanging from the branches, ripe and ready for the picking. It was something that brought her comfort, even on the saddest days. On the day she found out her parents passed, Mary immediately bolted out of the family home and clambered up a tree, grabbing the ripest, juiciest mango that she could find. As the sweetness and tartness of the mango washed over her tongue, tears spilled down over her cheeks. 
she knew her parents hadn't loved her. But she also knew her life was about to change entirely. And so, there she was, leaning over the railing of the boat, her hand dangling in the sea spray as England grew closer and closer to them. Mary was being sent to live with her uncle, Archibald Craven, who was the husband of her father's sister, Lilias. She had never met Archibald or Lilias, and the idea of meeting more people, of becoming family with anyone, made Mary's stomach churn. You see, Mary was not a girl of kindness, nor understanding or friendliness. She was a girl who lived her life rather selfishly and coldly, demanding what she wanted, when she wanted it, and seeing the world around her with a rather grey lens. But, truly, could you blame the young girl? After quite a long journey, Mary found herself in a wagon, heading across the Yorkshire Moors. She had never seen a place like the Moors before. Meadows seemed to stretch as far as the eye could see, winding up rolling hills and weaving through forests of birch and ash. The moors themselves looked almost as though they had been painted with nature's finest palette. Swaths of pink, purple, orange, and yellow. The colors of wild flowers blooming in the summer sun. Although, today, there was hardly any sun, the moor was blanketed by a thick layer of mist, so dense and magical that it almost made the moor look like it had been plucked out of a fairy tale. Mary took deep breaths as she looked out the wagon window. She missed the forests of India, the fruit trees climbing up vibrant hillsides the tropical flowers buzzing with hummingbirds and honeybees, the aroma of the fragrant herbs and flowers in the air. And this, this was a vastly different kind of beauty. Mary found herself daydreaming about the flowers back in India for the majority of the wagon ride. That is, until they arrived at Misselthwaite Manor, the home of her uncle and aunt. It was a home that was so very different from her home in India, an old manor with large windows and wild, overgrown grounds. It was not the home she was expecting. And, 
unfortunately, the people inside were not who she was expecting either. The maid, Mrs. Medlock, escorted her to the estate and tried to make civil conversation, but hardly mentioned anything about the home or the people that she was about to meet. When she arrived and met her uncle, Archibald Craven, for the first time, she was surprised to discover he was a hunchback. He greeted the young girl with a smile and a hug, but she did not return the courtesy. The trip she had set out on and the destination she had arrived at had been wholly disappointing, and the idea of spending the rest of her life at the manor was something she was not excited about. Even more troubling, Mr. Craven informed her that her aunt, Phileas, had passed several years earlier. The first few weeks in the new house were not easy for Mary. She spent many hours curled up in her room or the library, reading books and hurling insults and coldness at anyone who dared to come near her. When Mr. Craven was forced to leave the estate, and travel abroad for his health, Mary became even more isolated. That didn't stop Martha Sowerby from trying, however. Martha Sowerby was Mary's maid, a woman with a kind smile and a calming, unassuming demeanor. Every day, several times a day, she would bring Mary her favorite cup of tea and sit with her, even when Mary seemed bothered. Sometimes, she would ask Mary about her life in India. She wanted to know about her favorite memories, her favorite things to do. Did she see any animals? Did she smell lots of flowers? Did she eat yummy foods or swim in a beautiful ocean? Over time, Mary began to grow fond of these interactions. No one had ever asked Mary about herself before. Her parents hadn't cared, and neither had the caretakers at the family estate in India. For the first time, someone seemed to truly care about and value what Mary had to say. And soon, Mary learned a few things about the estate. On a particularly dreary day in the English countryside, Mary curled up next to the crackling fire with Martha at her side. She told Martha, about how she missed wandering through the rainforests of India, how she longed to smell that fresh, clean, citrusy air once more, 
how she missed lounging in trees and eating fruits while the sun kissed her skin. How she wanted nothing more than to wander through a wonderland of greenery and feel connected to the earth and herself once more. That's when Martha leaned in, a smile curling the corners of her lips. There is a garden here, you know, a wild one full of secrets and wonder. In a hushed tone, Martha told Mary all about the secret garden. While Lilius was alive, Mr. Craven made a walled-in garden just for her. It was a garden where she could be one with nature and tend to the roses as if they were her own children. Mary listened to Martha drone on about the smell of the fragrant roses, the sound of the bubbling creek that laced through the garden, the buzz of the honeybees and hummingbirds as they flitted from flower to flower. However, there was a downside to this secret garden, to this wondrous, magical place that Mary desperately wanted to see. Ten years ago, when Lilius passed, Mr. Craven locked up the garden and hid the key. Now, all that remained were the overgrown gardens that were part of the estate grounds. The secret garden, the most beautiful, wild one of all, was hidden behind a wall, never to be journeyed into again. From that rainy day on, finding the key to the secret garden became Mary's biggest wish. She spent many days wandering the grounds, hoping that she would uncover it, and, in the process, the more that she had once seen as a bland wasteland transformed before her very eyes into something much, much more. The gardens on the grounds were nothing like the gardens in India, nor what she imagined the secret garden would be, but they provided her with a sense of relaxation and bliss when she meandered through them. She had passed through the herb garden, fragrant with the fresh rosemary and thyme growing from the moist earth. Some days, she had wandered through the flower garden, where tulips and daisies popped up through the dirt, swaying in the gentle summer breeze. Sometimes, she had plopped down in the grass and watched these flowers sway from side to side, side to side, side to side, side to side. It was like a metronome to her, moving in time to the beat of her heart, making her feel at peace with this place and more at home. And then there was the new friend she made 
every morning when she journeyed out to the herb and flower gardens. She would hear a peculiar, beautiful chirping from the willow trees above her head. Perched on one of the velvety tendrils of the willow tree, a European robin redbreast sang her song into the universe. She looked like she had been plucked out of a painting and placed on that branch every single morning. Her tawny coat was bright and soothing against the bright blue or hazy grey sky, and the red swathe of feathers on her chest always drew Mary's attention right to her. One morning, while eating her breakfast, Mary extended some crumbs to the beautiful robin, inviting her to eat. The robin munched on the crumbs with fervor before giving Mary a tweet of appreciation and flitting back up to the branches. From that point on, Mary and the robin were nearly inseparable. The robin would follow Mary through the gardens as she walked, stopping to rest with her on occasion and sing a song for Mary. For the first time, Mary really felt like she had a friend. Even when she went inside for the night, the robin would perch in the trees beyond the window of whatever room Mary was in, as if she was keeping a close eye on her, protecting her. And truly, Mary did feel protected with her bird friend by her side. But that wasn't the only way that Robin was looking for Mary. One morning, Mary stepped outside onto the moor. There was a bite in the air, though it was mid-June. The grounds were blanketed in that thick, beautiful layer of fog that few people are awake to see and enjoy. On that morning, it felt as though everything was moving in slow motion. The dew dripped off the leaves as though they were honey instead of water. The birds snuggled in their nests a little longer, not yet willing to hop out and sing their morning song to the universe. Even the fog seemed to be meandering across the moor like molasses. But the robin and Mary were wide awake. Unlike most mornings, however, today the robin was the one who led Mary around. Mary watched as the bird soared off her branch and dipped and dived around Mary's head encouraging her to follow. Mary did so with no hesitation. She traipsed through the fog as her friend flew overhead, glancing over her shoulder every now and again to make sure 
that Mary was following. Mary walked faster to keep up with the robin, a smile lacing her face. She felt like she was going on an adventure with a friend, something she had long dreamt of doing. Sure, they couldn't speak to one another, but they could feel the emotions of one another. Mary could feel the excitement of the robin, the promise and hope of her. And when they reached a patch of dirt at the edge of the forest, Mary knew it was for a reason. She reached down into the dirt, running her hands through it. The smell of the soil and loam filled the air mixing with the fragrance of fresh ferns and morning dew. It was invigorating, revitalizing, nourishing. But what that dirt was hiding was even more compelling. Mary ran her hands through that soft dirt until her fingers latched around something small and metallic. When she pulled her hand out of the earth and saw the key in the palm of her hand, she had to pinch herself to make sure that she wasn't dreaming. She had seen the lock to the secret garden many times. Nearly every morning she would walk by the gate and run her hands across the lock dreaming of the day that she would hold the key. And this day was the day. Mary tucked the key in her pocket and blew a kiss to the robin, who was happily singing in the branches overhead, skipping through the tangle of clover and sweet grass. Mary scurried back home, the key burning a hole in her pocket. Approaching the door was like standing before the entrance to her own fairy tale. Gently, she slid the key into the lock and unlatched the door with a metallic clink. And as that old iron gate swept open, a new world was stood before her. The secret garden was unlike anything she had seen in her life. Within the walls was the finest garden she had ever seen in her life. There were hedges, green swathes of clover peppered lawn for playing, rows and rows and rows of brightly colored roses. The aroma alone was enough to make Mary swoon. Though the garden was overgrown, Mary knew that could be fixed. She wandered through the secret garden in a daze, taking in each and every sight with appreciation and positivity that she had never felt before in her life. For so long, 
she felt as though she hadn't had a home. And now, this was her home. She sat by the edge of the stream, lacing through the garden. Within it, tiny tadpoles and fish and frogs floated around, enjoying the feeling of the sun on their skin as it slipped out from behind the clouds. She dangled her feet in the cool water, embracing the feeling of the smooth rock and gentle current on her feet. It was like an oasis to her. An oasis that she had long dreamt of. As Mary closed the gate to the secret garden for the first time, she tightly held the key in her hand with a newfound level of appreciation. Her little slice of heaven on earth her home, the place where she could escape and feel at peace. And that peace in the garden grew increasingly important to Mary, because the castle was feeling less like a home and more like a haunt almost every night. Most nights, Mary couldn't help but notice the sound of someone in the house. A voice that seemed to echo through the halls only after the clock struck 9pm. She had solved one mystery. The mystery of the secret garden. But this mystery appeared as though it wouldn't be as easy to solve. Every time she'd ask about the noises, she'd be brushed off. Even Martha, who had been so kind and honest with her, would not hear of ghostly voices echoing through the beautiful manor. But Mary was not the kind of little girl to quit. She knew in time she was going to explore and discover the source of the noises. But, for now, she had a garden to tend to, her own oasis to groom. She spoke to Martha the next morning, asking her for gardening tools so she could get to work. Martha was pleased with how much Mary had changed in just a few weeks' time. When she first arrived, she would have angrily demanded the gardening tools. But now, she was asking politely, with a light in her eyes. The garden and this place had changed her entirely. Martha sent her little brother Dickon to deliver the gardening tools to Mary. When Mary slipped out of the manor to greet him, she was surprised to see that she wasn't the first to greet Dickon. Her friend Robin flitted over Dickon's head, tweeting and singing as she happily dipped, dived, 
and swooped around him. Dickon smiled and giggled at the bird, asking how she got to be so pretty and smart. Mary was not one to make friends easily. In fact, she struggled deeply with making friends. But seeing Dickens smile at the bird made Mary feel utterly and completely calm. She greeted him, and the two walked around the gardens for quite some time, talking and laughing with one another. Dickon told Mary that he spent most of his time playing in the moor. He loved lying in the wildflowers and climbing to the tallest hill he could find. He loved napping at the base of the old willow tree and climbing to the loftiest branch of the ancient oaks. Mary couldn't help but think that these moors were Dickens' India. If he played in them, just like she had played in India, didn't that mean she could play on this moor too? The more the two talked, the more connected they felt. Dickon talked about how he wanted to be a gardener when he grew up, and he already felt that he was halfway there, eager to have a new friend, and showed all he knew about gardening. Mary took Dickon by the hand. Overjoyed, she led him to the corner of the estate, to the tall walls of the secret garden. She told him how she had come to find the key, and how she could use his help, caring for the flowers within it. When she swung open that iron gate once more, Dickon looked around in absolute awe. He brushed his hands through the flowers and bushes as he passed them by, his eyes wide with wonder. He told Mary he had never seen a garden so beautiful, so spectacular. With a smile, Mary told him that it was all theirs now. For the next several weeks, Dickon and Mary spent every day in the secret garden. Dickon taught Mary everything he knew about caring for flowers and plants, and Mary ate it up with fervor. Often, the robin would sit in the trees above them, singing the soundtrack of their day. The longer they worked on the garden, the more beautiful it looked. Mary was confident in the changes, confident in the decisions she had made, and, at the same time, there was one more pesky mystery that was swimming in the back of her mind. One night, Mary could hear the mysterious voice drifting through the manor. She rose to her feet and tiptoed down the 
cool wood and stone halls of the manor, holding her hand against her chest. She followed the sound to the other side of the manor, a section of the house that she rarely wandered into. And it was on that side of the manor that Mary discovered a hidden bedroom. And inside that bedroom, she found a boy about her age, curled up in a plush bed with blankets and stuffed animals all around him. The boy was surprised to see her. He introduced himself as Colin in a soft voice. As they began to talk, Mary came to learn that the boy was sickly. He had a spine disease that made it hard for him to walk. So, every day, he was confined to this bed in this bedroom where servants tended to his every need. Mary couldn't help but feel awful for the boy, but she felt even worse when he asked Mary when his father was going to return. Colin was the son of Mr. Craven, making him Mary's cousin. He confided in Mary, telling her that he missed his father terribly when he was away. Mary promised to keep Colin company while they waited for his dad to return. And Mary did just that. Every day, she would play in the secret garden with Dickon, and then go speak to Colin until well into the night. Her days that were once full of sorrow and negativity were now full of friends and love. Her days that were once marred with selfishness were now overflowing with selfless acts. One day, Mary confided in Colin, telling him that she had a key to the secret garden. She had been inside, and would like it if he could be as well. She also told him stories about the moor and the secret garden. He clung to every word, dreaming that he too could travel through the countryside with Mary and Dixon and visit the garden. With the help of his servants, Colin got into a wheelchair. For the first time in several years, he breathed fresh air and felt the warm sun on his face. He smelled the flowers and pine trees in the soft breeze. He was whole again, and as he entered the garden, the past few years no longer mattered. He met Dickon, who treated him with kindness and was eager to chat away the afternoon with him. He lay down in the grass with his new friends, relishing the feeling of the soft breeze 
brushing against his skin. And it was in this garden that Colin discovered that perhaps he didn't have to lie in bed all day. One day, Ben Weatherstaff, the groundskeeper, was surprised to see the children in the secret garden as he was on the ladder cleaning ivy off the wall. When he referred to Colin as a cripple, Colin became upset. Wanting to prove he wasn't, Colin struggled to his feet. Standing for the first time in several years. And every day beyond that, he got better and better. Colin, Mary, and Dickon played in the garden from sunrise to sunset for weeks on end, growing stronger and closer with one another. Soon, Colin could not only stand and walk, but run. On one particularly sunny day, Mary, Colin, and Dickon raced through the secret garden, giggling with one another. Colin crossed the finish line first, throwing his hands up in delight. And at that precise moment, his father, Mr. Craven, wandered through the gate of the secret garden, his mouth ajar in shock and wonder. Overjoyed, the children told Mr. Craven of what they had done. They had revitalized the garden, helped Colin heal, and learned to value a friendship unlike any other. Everyone made their way back to the manor that day, their heads held high, and as they walked in unison, they were reminded of what happens to things when they are nourished, valued, and loved. I hope you have enjoyed this story, and it has brought you a night of peaceful, restful sleep. Please, join me again tomorrow for another sleep story. Until then, sweet dreams.